podcast that investigates the experience of self, the events that have shaped our world, the people that we have become, by focusing on the person first. Okay, David, what's your earliest memory of someone who is good at life? My earliest memory of someone who was good at life, my Uncle David's, uh, he was the child psychiatrist on TVAM. Do you really? remember with Anne Diamond? Yeah. And I can't remember the rest of them, but that was the first like morning television show. Yeah. And the idea of having this man who would come <laughs> to my house for Christmas and Easter or whatever, and then to see him in the box, and this is before YouTube and the internet and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just amazed. I just couldn't believe it because, I mean, that's where gods exist. I mean, that's where Roger Moore lives, you know, in this box in the corner of the room. Yeah. And uh, he would turn up you know, every like two weeks or whatever, if there'd been some kind of like child-related situation. Yeah. And yeah, they would cut to him and he'd be there in his suit. Wow. And that was his part of it. And I used to be, yeah, just amazed by that. Yeah. And also he had like, gone to Oxford and Cambridge and he used to come in and um, smoke cigars and uh, talk about the celebrities because he met Arnold Schwarzenegger who was on there one time. And back in the 80s, you know, to say that you'd had, you know, yeah. one-on-one time with the Terminator... Is that you how know, he phrased it? Yeah, not quite, but in my head it was like, it was literally that. I mean, for him, I don't think he really knew who Schwarzenegger was. You know, yeah. he was very sort of, you know, mm-hmm. gone to Cambridge and all that type of thing. And the only one in our family that managed that, you know what I mean, had uh, got yeah. through like the netting into like the higher realms type of thing. But um, I remember Goosebumps type of thing. It blown your mind. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah. my God, this is, yeah, it did blow my mind. Was you he happy? I mean? No, I don't think he was that happy because he left London. Yeah. And then he went to Scotland thinking that the London people would still invite him back to do the odd bit of TV. But I think he cut all ties of networking, and uh, which shows what media is all about, people. It's uh, who you know, not what you do to have a thing. Yeah. And um, then that came to an end. No, I think um, he passed away actually a few years ago. And I think looking at him, he was happiest when he was in his small Scottish um, cottage with his wife. I think that's when he was his <laughs> absolute happiest type of thing. Mm. And I think uh, he had a taste of the, uh, the life in London type yeah. of thing. And uh, like he had his own uh, column in uh, Woman's Own as well and stuff like that. From a psychiatry perspective. Yeah, psychiatry perspective. <laughs> yeah. You know, I cook with small Scottish cottages. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Something. When he was in London, it just sort of, I think he was the right man in the right place. And he looked the part, you know, he had the sort of the Freud-like beard <laughs> and, uh, you know, well sort of suited. He was almost the start of a lot of those people. I'm not saying he was the beginning of the, the Gordon Ramsay period, but you know these people who were like, yeah. they become famous for like Celeb having, experts. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think people stopped in the street for an autograph. Oh, you know Sarah Green? Not personally, but the presenter Sarah Green? Yeah. Um, he did a, a, a children's book with her. He had a massive run at one point wow. that lasted like a year and a half. It was called Just Say No. And um, so it's like strangers. And it must have taken them like a, like a day to write. It was just a, a kid wandering around saying, you know, no to, no to everyone, basically. You know, it doesn't matter if they're giving you a tenner or, you know, or a Mars bar, just say no, full stop. Just get home safely. But yeah, he did that with Sarah Green. And uh, yeah, he, and I was just sat there amazed. Jeez. So it's like looking at my dad, sort of like, when, when are you going to get on telly? <laughs> When's your book coming out? So I remember, I think my dad was looking back at it now from more adult eyes. Yeah. Probably quite jealous of him. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the alpha male kind of seat was definitely taken away when he would turn up type of thing. I mean, yeah, you're the only one bringing that story to the table. Yes. And everyone's going to be curious about it, aren't they? Absolutely. So they're naturally going to gravitate to silence when you speak. Oh, totally and utterly. He, He had the platform completely. I remember looking back now 
there was a massive argument at a family barbecue because my dad was really into wine making. Oh, and wow. everyone was like enjoying the wine, but my uncle David wasn't impressed and said, Don't get me wrong, it's, it's all right, but I don't know, there was some <laughs> up in London. There was <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I think that's what light the fuse. And there was quite a drunken, uh, I think my dad went to bed early or something. Well, your dad was drunk, but presumably David was completely sober. Oh, you're absolutely. I think even if he had one too many, he'd be like a samurai, you know, oh, would he? <laughs> absolutely on the, on the point type of thing. Um, I, I remember the only time, in actual fact, he had a, a big sulk, my uncle David was when my um, my brother took a phone call from TVAM, didn't tell my uncle, oh. and it was they were going to get him a, a, a bus, not a bus, got a car, a bus to TVAM, <laughs> goodness, a limousine. And uh, my brother just like turned up and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, there was a, a phone call from TVAM. Oh, and it was no. a big, big deal. Yeah. And he'd missed an opportunity to appear on TV. And then I suddenly saw the Achilles heel of Uncle David's. Yeah. And it was very much like a sulking toddler on the in a deck chair in my garden. Yeah. And it was like, oh, right, okay, you're not quite invincible. Yeah. You know, suddenly you're being, you know, the, uh, the sort of red carpet to London celebrity appeal had kind of been banished from him. So and that didn't go at all well. What's your feeling now of like celebrity, having observed it from a young person at an early age, and then you've had multiple jobs, right, in your life? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, I have had quite a few actually. Think about it now. Yeah. Sort and, of like, and it's fair to say, you know, that you're successful as a comedian as well. Oh, I wouldn't say successful. I'd say, <laughs> I wouldn't say, you know, I've kind of floated around type of thing. I wouldn't say uh, successful type of thing. So that degree, I've given it a go. So yeah. I've chucked my hat in the ring type of thing. But people from outside of your immediate circle might would recognise you or would know you. So you, yeah, you've you've had experiences not dissimilar to Uncle David. Would you say? I wouldn't say to that degree. I wouldn't say I've actually ex- experienced celebrity. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff with David early, uh, just Brian Gittings and Ricky Gervais stuff. So I've done yeah. nights that he's been on. Yeah. And a lot of people have come up to me to ask about David Earl and stuff like that. And then from <laughs> Where that, playing? <laughs> so I'm, I'm very much a bridge, I think, to that next layer. A signpost. Yeah, absolutely. A signpost. I happen to be so as well. So I'm like, to the right type of thing. Got the long arms to, keep, to navigate people to the right place. As long as I'm helping out, you know. I think the celebrity for me culture is so bizarre. As the older you get, you can see how vacuous and empty it is. But there's still a monkey in the very centre of my brain, the lizards, who still is fascinated and interested about it. Do you do you seek it then? Do you want success that comes with recognition and, and celebrity, do you think? I would say it's completely and utterly schizophrenic in my mind now. Yeah. Whereby when I was younger, it was the fuel that got me up in the morning that I'd love to be in Face magazine or whatever was big in the oh, 90s, yeah, the face, Sky yeah. magazine or yeah. Heat magazine. And that was For the what? Journey. What would you be famous for? God, do you know, it's terrible to say, but maybe it was writing before in front of the ca- camera, comedy. But if you went really, really deep, it would just be to be part of that cool creative hub of people. I think that's actually a really good byproduct of it. You get to hang out with some really creative. I think that fun is a people. byproduct. I mean, I'd say that was from the stand-up comedy I've done. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's Nathan Bardley madness, isn't it? You're just trying to be. It's, they're just basically the six formers of school, aren't they? You're just trying to hang out with the hip people. But uh, on a more genuine level, from doing stand-up comedy, you do get to meet some very like-minded people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'd say that's more the positive element that yeah. I, when I have done comedy and stuff, you definitely meet people who are of a similar ilk type of thing, who are interested in the same thing. Yeah. They're a bit geeky and anarchy. You know, they're interested in their pop culture. You know, and uh, they want to sit down and chat about an album or a book or a film in great depth. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And you do get to meet that sort of people. But I'd say celebrity-wise, 
I would say you can see how it would be more of a nightmare than a positive. Yeah. When you're seeing it from a you know a clearly a clear more mature point of view. But they, I think the thing the nightmare is as human beings we're just social animals, aren't we? Mm. And the celebrity is this praised creature. Yeah. And I think the thing is you know, the reason we survived and evolved and developed is because we lived in tribes. Yeah. And there was yeah. always someone in charge of the tribe. And if you didn't get on with that person, you'd be cut off. And a human on their own is nothing. You know, you're not a saber-toothed <laughs> tiger, are you? You can't survive. Yeah, that's and right. And I guess the celebrity is just the um, the leader of that tribe, isn't it? I think it's just really hardwired into you. Yeah, I think it is. I think, it, yeah, it's uh, it's gut reaction stuff. What I'd are like those to people cut looking it out of my head, do you know what I mean? But it's just hard too. Yeah. So what would you, what would remain if you cut that out? Yeah, I don't know. I think it would just be a person that appreciates the sort of normal fruit and veg of life, if that makes any sense. But getting up, enjoying the sun, enjoying, you know, the family around you, just just more day-to-day. Yeah. It sounds really Norm- Normality, yeah. Just normal, you know, a bit of sun around your face as you're getting out the car type of thing. Do you pause to take those moments in to go, oh, I'm really lucky to be alive? Try to. Uh, very rarely do, unfortunately. Do you know what I mean? It's on my to-do list, something to do. But do you think even the most successful celebrities in the world probably still would rather get up and enjoy the finer thing, the, the, the most basic things in life like the sunshine and do you know I, what I'm I absolutely do yeah I think I think it's a constant um, hurdle for everyone just to stop that inner monologue mm. and that constant what am I going to do next I mean it's like a case of like you know how am I going to make these people like me or when I'm, what am I going to eat next it's constant projections to the future yeah I think most celebrities, well, a lot of celebrities do go down the meditation route. I mean, Russell Brand, I think that's why mm. he's so popular, isn't it? Mm. That he's got this whole narrative that he went to Hollywood, it wasn't that great, and now he's gone down this very kind of left-wing, kind of new age yeah. kind Jim, of route. Jim Carrey's done a very similar thing. Very similar. Yeah, talks about there being nothing at the top of the mountain. Yeah, He's got that great quote where he says he wishes everyone got to experience their dreams so they could see how empty it was. Absolutely. Which I think there's a lot in there. Yeah, there really is. And also I think, you know, we like that because we think, well, part of us was lazy as well. And uh, you <laughs> no know need I mean? to climb the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't need to climb that mountain in the first place. But I think there's a lot in there. Because, I mean, to, to have done from a very small taste of stand-up I've done in the south of England, could you imagine doing that in L.A.? Yeah. No connections at all. You've got to be so driven. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it makes you realise that someone like Jim Carrey, to get to where he was, he must have, you know, busted more than a gut. You know, several of them, if, you, yeah. if that metaphor works. I don't know. But, you know, and then to find it so empty, you'd be making a, you'd be questioning a lot, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ultimately. But I think also it's like the, to have the patience to sit with who who you are and not wish to change it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely. quite... It's actually, it might be easy just to, to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? For some people to ignore yeah. the reality, they're actually, like, literally, uh, a plane went overhead the other day and then went, oh, I wonder where that plane's going. And I literally, like, <laughs> snapped in my head, I'd still be with myself, though. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, no, you're no matter totally where you right. go, you've always got yourself there. No, you're completely right. I've had people who've, um, family people who've emigrated mm. and uh, gone to different places around the world to start new uh, lives. And I speak to them via email. And I don't mean it in a judgmental manner at all. It's just thinking to what you're saying. But I'm looking at the email, the problems, the concerns, the issues. And they might as well still be living down the road from me. Yeah. It's the same anxieties, the same cycles. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like nothing's really changed. Yeah, no. perhaps, 
you know, the sun comes out when it's Christmas for you now, you yeah. know, wherever you're living in the world. But ultimately, yeah, you just can't get rid of your own brain. You're just yeah. stuck in that narrative, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree completely. Yeah. And sitting with yourself and just being in the now, yeah, it's just... How do you deal with that? Well, I tried, I, I see a lot of wisdom in meditation in a big, big way. But it annoys me that I don't do it and I'm not disciplined enough to do it. And it is because I've got a loud mind. Yeah. It's a case of let's do it after dinner, then it's time for sleep, and you haven't done any of those elements. But I do you think, sleep easily? No, I'm a major insomniac. Oh, wow. To the extent my GP is now giving me to the sleep clinic of the NHS. Yeah. Whereby lack of sleep is something that occurs endlessly on my record. God, I'd hate to read my GP's record of me. That'd be a nightmare. Wow. But he's noted that reoccurring um, sleep issues yeah. have always been there. And now I don't know what the sleep clinic is going to be. I don't know they if I have to take you. my PJs. Do, do they really? Yeah, you, you sleep in there, they film you, and they hook you up to like an ECG and a whole bunch of other stuff. God. And then they observe you and they play it back to you in the morning. Have you not seen, what's the comedy one? It's the Alan Partridge one. <laughs> Does he do the sleep clinic? <laughs> in the, in I have seen that the, one. In this time with Alan Partridge and he just keeps rubbing his butt. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've watched that one. I thought I'd seen them all. Quite amazing. <laughs> no, it's in one of the, I think it's episode four or five oh, of this did, time. Oh, amazing. Did you watch a new series? I did. Oh, For man. some reason, I must have, um, I don't remember that. Maybe there's an episode I haven't watched. It was, it only occupied five minutes. Oh, it was one of, the, right, okay. one of those spots where Alan's been checking out a sleep clinic. And that he, sounds incredible. But that's what you'll be doing. Like the, you'll yeah, be watching. God knows what my subconscious <laughs> will conjure up. Yeah, imagine if you, yeah, like talk in your sleep and have narrative in your sleep. Someone's told me that I laugh in my sleep a lot. I don't know what, <laughs> what that's linking to. And it's quite like a sort of a Viking laugh, you know, like a pillaged a city or something. I don't quite know. Oh, not like a, a, I'm watching comedy laugh. No, no, it's very much like I'm at the top of the mountain and everyone's like looking Burning. at me. Yeah, basically, sort of a medieval element of me that's come out. But yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> Or maybe it's just the, the enjoyment of having some sleep. I don't know, but I'm real an insomniac. And I did do a lot of meditation just to try and relax yeah. and fall into sleep type of thing. So do you have like an in, you know, a constant internal dialogue, I guess, with yourself? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think a lot of people can relate to this, that some of your darkest thoughts are in the middle of the night. And sometimes, not that I'm planning a murder spree or anything <laughs> like that. Sort of like, oh, serial killer's never done that. That'd be a great <laughs> metaphor for the police to find right at the end. So that'd be clever. But nothing to that degree, but just a case of, oh, really self-sorry Dave Edwards thoughts. You know, why am I making more money? And, you know, no, why no, is no, she dating me? Is it, what is it? Is it, well, let's, let's go into it. Yeah, it, it's more about... Um, is it about money? I think it's more about... Um, Probably uh, more creative aspirations. You want to have achieved more. Yeah, more achievements, yeah. definitely. Got it. You know, I'm just sort of in this limbo stage. Uh, projects that have never been completed, procrastination, yeah. things like When I hit 40, because I'm 41 now, there's a lot of navel-gazing that takes place in your younger years. Like, oh, I need to do this, this, and this. But 40 was a proper bullet to the head. Yeah. That was more like, no, I'm not happy with this. This is like... Um, you almost feel, Do you think you've got a countdown timer now, five, ten years to get stuff done? Definitely, definitely. And a point of me thinking maybe the, the explosion's gone off anyway. 
Do you know what I mean? I'm just like... You're the walking wounded. Yeah, yeah, basically. You know, the war's <laughs> happened anyway. I'm just like, I'm in... You're uh, a casualty. Yeah, just in denial type of thing. And it maybe it has happened and it's... Uh, but oh, some people achieve handle. amazing things, you know, later in their in their life anyway. Didn't Ricky Gervais start like in 36 or 7 or 8? Yeah, I've I looked... Think, yeah, he was in the late 30s, been. wasn't he? And then yeah. 41, he'd written the office. Because I'm obsessed by age now. I look at everyone's... Yeah, me too. ...ages and really? I think, what have they yeah. kind of done? Obsessed with death and age. Yeah, death is a nice to meet uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to meet you. There we go. That's on the top of your match.com profile. If you're interested in these things too, let's get in contact. Yeah, death is a. I t- also, I'd say since hitting 40, so many family members have like passed away and things like that. Yeah. Who's passed away? Uh, mother, uncle, and very much the whole part of my mother's side has basically. Pretty much, they came from Jersey. Yeah. And um, all of them have just gone now. Oh. You know, and it's just like a whole chapter yeah. just kind of go. And I think the worst thing with death is, that I didn't think would be the case is, is that um, a lot of the sadness, and I perhaps shouldn't really reveal this, but a lot of it is just for myself. Like, oh no, that's going to happen to me. Oh, Where right. are these people gone? Uh, don't get me wrong, a lot of it is like, oh God, these people have left me, you know, I'm going to miss them. Yeah. But I just feel incredibly you. vulnerable. Yeah. And like, holy shit, this is going to be happening to me at some point. Yeah. And incredibly anxious about that. And the thing about when you see death taking place, it's incredibly epic, but at the same time, incredibly mundane. Exactly. It happens every day. It's happening right totally. now. Totally. It's very, very natural. And at some point, you're just going to, if you're lucky, be in that bed, NHS ward. Hopefully, you know, they're not going to have much on. They'll better give you some kind of like, you know, quality Attention. time. Yeah, definitely. And then your brain will just slowly you know what I mean? it's very, I don't know where I'm going with this but you, you can see it as a reality it almost sounds like you're dying yeah as we speak just slowly acting out that'd be my next one man show in Edinburgh basically just a life preserver machine just beeping away in the background but I remember doing my mum's funeral there was like a playground next to the, the actual cemetery and it was just a nightmare in the sense not that I was like wandered in there do you mind people my mother is being uh, lowered as we speak. Show a bit of respect. Can someone pick up that football? For God's sake. Come along if you want. You know what I mean? Stand at attention. But it was, it was more of a case that life doesn't stop for anyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was... Um, oh, no, absolutely. And I, there was a part of my brain was like, I thought the whole of reality would pause when my mother passes away. Yeah. But like, no. Yeah. People are still eating boost bars, still getting lottery <laughs> tickets. Do you mind, Stuart? Do you know what I mean? No, no, not that that's a literal dig or anything. But it's a case of... Um, it really is an element whereby you think that... You know, when King George dies, or something. well, it's like a case of, I watched The Crown and like, uh, they always paint this idea that the whole of Britain comes to a standstill when the monarchy died. Yeah. Everyone wants to know about it, but, you know, life does just carry on. Toilets have to be unplucked, plucked, blocked or whatever, do you know what I mean? And you've got to just sort of get on with it type of thing. And it's just a very uh, sobering thing, isn't it? Your own mortality and its irrelevance, essentially. Yeah, totally and utterly. Yeah. You know, I think in the back of my mind, I always thought there'd be at least one BBC Two documentary about me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? South Bank style. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> not the end of the world, but there you go. But that's the point. Like, even if, if it was that or it wasn't that, you would still be dead. They would still I be dead. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like definitely. the legacy in some way. So my totally. dad died last year, middle of the year, suddenly. I'm your age. I'm 40, basically. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So he was 66. And um, I remember thinking, um, 
<laughs> all the things that you think mattered and all the things that person said, it suddenly kind of crystallised into, that was just their opinion of the world and life. Yes, yeah. It, it wasn't enduring. It didn't, it wasn't the pillars of the world. Yeah. It was just one person's view of the world. And and some great stuff in there as well, but yep. also lots of things to not worry too much about as well. Totally, you know? yeah. Completely agree. And I thought as soon as it happened, like, literally the moment it happened, before I told my wife, I got off the phone, and I had these few seconds, I thought... I think I can deal with this. I think I thought it was going to be literally the end of everything, but I was like, I think I'm okay with this. Like, obviously, it was terrible. Oh no, no, I know. And I've got through it. You can see the light type thing carrying on. You know, I actually thought to myself selfishly, (laughs) um, I'm still alive, and yeah, and time is ticking down for me, and we're all headed towards this one destination. Yep, definitely. You know, and it's a big one. A mum or a dad's got to be one of the big ones, right? Oh yeah, I think it affects you more than you realise. But when you do have that element of, I think I'm going to be okay, you know, survive with this. There's a feeling of guilt there slightly. I felt, you know, it's like a case of, um, I don't know, self-preservation type of thing. Yeah. Because um, you know, when it hits you, you think, God, how am I going to? keep going with this but I think the other thing you make made the point is really important is that you do realize that it is just I don't know a lot of their views rules and kind of like values yeah. is, is passed on to you and it's just one person's exactly. take on reality isn't it yeah you can kind of redefine how you look at the world and how you want to be affected by the world yes you know I, I like I've definitely got more selfish as I've got older yeah and I'm I'm obviously I'm, I'm married so I have to you know factor in my wife in some way definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um you can just do what you want to do <laughs> like yeah yeah you know, like other people's opinions matter to an extent as much as you can allow them to so as i've seen people die around me <laughs> i've suddenly thought oh in some ways it's also kind of quite you can look at it in a positive way if it's quite freeing as well yes like there wasn't any purpose to their life there's no purpose to your life or anyone's yes yeah quite, everyone's quite right. kind of con- we're all kind of agreeing that there's something there and we've created God and all that kind of thing, but it's just going to go and pass away and, you know, and in a way that's also really freeing and empowering of like, yeah, it is. So really it doesn't matter. You know, all these things that you're worried about that keeping you up at night, they don't really matter. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Intellectually, I know they don't matter. I know. But there's, you there's do. emotional yeah. triggers. And in some ways, it irritates me even more when I have these, <laughs> these emotional kind of reactions to things. You know, I don't know, someone getting that car park space before me or whatever. Yeah. In the case that I know it doesn't matter, but I'm still being sucked in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. even if I give it five seconds of annoyance, I think, well, that's a waste of five seconds on planet Earth. Yeah. Getting annoyed with that. Yeah. Which is, um, no, I, I totally agree. And also you expect when someone dies, especially with a parent, I don't know, there's a part of your brain that thinks there's always a third act of someone's life at the end of a novel yes. or end of a film. Sure. Things, loose ends are going to be tied up. Yes. You know, then you roll the credits. There's some kind of big explosion at the end. But death isn't like that at all. Yeah. It's just like a um, Duracell bunny just running out of power. Yeah. And it just stops. And it's not <laughs> at a, a crucial end of a you know a six-part episode series or whatever it there's nothing poetic or metaphoric about it <laughs> we project all that crap onto it type yeah. of thing yeah it's just someone's time's just come to an end yeah. like a candle just being like extinguished simple as that yeah and yeah it's very sobering definitely so do you think you, have you as you've grown up what's, what was your experience of just to, oh, as we're on the subject that's of all death, right yeah what was your experience of death early on do you think you had this more kind of um romantic arc, you know, character arc version of how people would live their life. And then has that come to, has that come to a sudden awareness at the age of like 40? Or did you gradually start getting an inkling that, oh, 
I think it's a case whereby you only really know how you think about things when you're actually in the situation. Yep. And I didn't realise it, but I had a ridiculously romantic view of death and things like that until I'd say a few years ago when people have passed away. Wow, yeah. You know, like having those last words yeah. with your, um, uh, you know, parents, you know, yeah. and, and things in that vein. Like, you know, I, we did have the last conversation with my mum when she was in the hospice type of thing. Yeah. And I remember her, her last words to me were like, um, oh, David, don't go on. Because I was just like, you know, I can't remember what I was chatting, but we were all like allowed to go in to have a chat and she was high on the morphine. And um, and it was like, oh, yes, you are right, mother. Yes, so, 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 sorry. And, um, and it was a nice time, you know, still I sort of held her hand and we looked at each other lovingly. But I mean, you can't get more mundane than that. How's that leading up to a, you know, a Shakespearean ending type of thing? And she was right. I was like going into this monologue of whatever. And it's like, I think it was her way of saying it doesn't matter. Just, you know, let it go type of thing. And gee, you are going on a bit. You give me a headache, you know. That'd be a great book, Don't Go On. Yeah, Don't Go On, definitely. Yeah, God, yeah. All the different meanings from that. Totally. And that's when, you, as you say, with meditation, you just find at the end of the day, you're just a bloke sat in a room on your own. But you just got all these Try not to cry. Yeah, absolutely. Just try and keep the, uh, the tear ducts. From like overflowing type of thing. Yeah. But it is just very, I found that more and more that, you know, um, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, addiction and like minor forms of it. Yeah. But I'm always looking for social media or a snack or a cup of tea and yeah. all these minor things to keep you going. Because just sitting on your own, just being alone, you know, without these kind of monologues and thoughts type of thing, very difficult to do. Do you seek out um, kind of wisdom from, you know, either books or, or audio audio books or podcasts or you know, even YouTube recordings of like Alan Watts or someone like that. Do you? Oh, Alan Watts is a very good one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's I fantastic. do. I really like Alan Watts. Yeah, answers that. Yes. Yeah, that I've helps. gone through loads of phases and trends of doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Really embracing it obsessively and then kind of like dropping it and going on to because I think looking for the answer too much. Yeah. You know, there isn't one answer. It's more about finding the balance. But Alan Watts, I found recently, I thought he was. Because yeah. you know, I think the good thing about Alan Watts is, and there's one of them on YouTube, I can't remember, which is he says that um, who you are now is who you're going to be to your deathbed. Yeah. There's, you know, really and truly just embrace the personality you want. And yeah. it's a very hard thing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know I mean? Just be comfortable in your own skin. Do you feel yeah. comfortable in your own skin? No, I'm definitely always trying to change myself. Is big it? time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm always trying to work life out. Like, I just need to do this. Like, it's a computer game, basically. Yeah. I'm always trying to find the hack. I just need to get some trainers like that or uh, get into that podcast or or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Or start reading more novels. And um, personhood for me is more like Mr. Ben. You know, he used to go into that <laughs> shop and come out looking like a knight. You know, it's he was, like... Yeah, um, never happy with himself. Well... No, he changed every day. Yeah, I think he did, didn't he? He used to go on an adventure and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess really and truly I'm just a product of consumer society as well, isn't it? Personhood's this thing you construct for a mosaic of all the different brands you own sort of thing. Yeah, that concept of, like, you having a, a brand. Like, if you yes. go back to, like, medieval ages, they were just simply just trying to get through. I know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. And in some ways, not happier, but happier. As yeah. long as the chickens were still alive, you could well, have that's one. It. It's you know, all relative, to eat. yeah. Right? So, so do you think of that about that and think maybe? I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe the life that you're pursuing, have you created the problem for yourself? What, what about oh, going definitely. to live somewhere else in a more simplistic way? Could you do that? Do you think you could go and live on a farm or something up in, you know? 
I think psychologically that would be a lot, lot better for me. Yeah. I think physically actually living, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, I, I really have problems with DIY uh, I think I'm. Some people call it dyspractic or something. If you go oh, yeah. to shelves or whatever, yeah. if you just drop me in the middle of a forest or a farm and told to survive, I've got no common sense. <laughs> you would be dead in oh, a Literally, it would literally be a case of. Um, well, I don't know what I'd live on. Do you know what I mean? It'd just be. Um, oh God, do you know what I mean? I just have to wait. I just hope there was someone with me, and cannibalism would come in at some point. Even then, I would have to cook and. <laughs> skin a human being do you know what I mean if there was no Google or anything I'm definitely part of the herd do you know what I mean if the herd left me it would just be a disaster do you know what I mean I'm definitely sucking on the system type of thing sucking on the system in a big big way you know if the teat was taken away you know what I mean I wouldn't find better find milk or liquid anywhere else so I think psychologically it would help me but I think I'd have to go with um It'd have to be Celebrity Love Island or something like that, where you, not that I've got the looks for that or the je ne sais quoi appeal, but I'd need cameramen to sort of give me a, a meal or something in between moments. You could be the cameraman's pet. Yeah, basically. I need someone to, you know, rustle me up a meal or something. And the other thing is, even if I've got a, um, a, a, a supermarket around the corner, I'm just crap at looking after my own diet. I mean, yeah. I will just live off cereal and things like that. <laughs> and in my digestive system, I th- I'm sure I've ruined it just by... Uh, so there's the food, Dave. You don't have to cook it or anything, but just try and eat it in a kind of mature, respectable manner. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that seems to be outside of my uh, my abilities as well. So I think, yeah, psychologically, though, I think outside the media frame, I do better. This is So one of my questions was, how do you reconcile your spiritual life? As in, like... <sighs> I guess whatever you, you that means to you with your work life, it feels like you occupy both spaces, but they don't occupy each other's. They don't. There's no. Is there a Venn diagram between all the things you you said, kind of you know academically, you know, and you study, you want to do all that kind of stuff, and then the reality of that experience is very different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, I'm talking about Russell Brand's managed to kind yes. of force these two things together, and it stops him doing certain things in his work life and all the rest of it, of how it's going to affect his mental health and all the rest of it. Yeah, would you no. say those two things are separate for you at the moment, or they cross over a little bit? Or I would definitely say that this is becoming less and less because I've hit forty now, and you can literally see the grave in front of you, type of thing, which is a good <laughs> thing to say. But I'm definitely a person who uh, is a victim of always preparing to live their life. Yeah. So, yeah, those books are very much, I'm planning to take those books and self-help ideas into my actual life at some point, but it never actually happens. So have you bought a lot of these books? Oh, yeah, God, yes, definitely. There's no bookshelf. Oh, absolutely. And also you find yourself hanging out with people who are also obsessed with the books. Right. And it is bizarre that, you know, you've got into being a mate with them for other things. Right. But then the first time you go around their flat, there's Eckhart Tolle everywhere and Buddhism everywhere. It's, oh, you're interested in that, are you? Yeah. And that's lent to me through that, (laughs) podcasts. Yeah, always looking for the next, you know. Uh, Have they they kind of put it into their life in like an implementation way? Have they managed to make that part of their life that's given them some comfort or giving them less pain yeah i think there are i mean my brother is is an an example of to a certain degree he nearly became a buddhist monk he really embraced it and they said you know welcome to the monastery it's chithurst you know you can come along and do it and at the last minute he said no i think he he found that kind of lifestyle too intense but he'd done all the kind of loop leaping through the loops type of thing yeah and it really formed into his life yeah. You know, uh, his diet, his eating, all those different elements, yeah. you know, yeah. not overindulging, all yeah. those different aspects. So I have seen that very much around me, but I think that last leap 
I think, because um, I think one other thing you start realising is that, um, I shouldn't say too much about this because I don't know that much, but what is interesting is it doesn't matter if it's IBM, a corporate building, yeah. or a monastery. Yeah. It is interesting that there's politics in either. Yeah. As in, you know, people wanting their own way. Yeah. Certain, um, you know, the kind of veep thick of it kind of politics. <laughs> it kind of boils up and appears in any kind of yeah. uh, shared human yeah. uh, environment. And I'm not saying that was one of the things that made him say no, but I think that's one of the things he was aware of type of thing. Yeah. That in any of those very intense human community environments, yeah. there's always going to be a slightly Darwinian element wherever. It's really interesting. It's almost like you're talking about extremes as well and balance yeah, in there. absolutely, totally. Yeah. I, so I, I um, quit drinking last year, October. How did you find that? Has that it's been quite easy? It's incredibly difficult. I bet. And I don't like it at all, but I am doing it because um, I've, you know, I had to kind of impose it on myself as a ballast to not any extremes. I also thought in my head, oh, by the time I'm 40-something, I won't be drinking anymore. Yeah, oh, like, absolutely. To your future point, self. Yeah, yeah. what's going to actually change, right? And then one of my clients said to me, do you know what an even bigger challenge would be to live in the middle and live in a couple of beers and go home? Massively, and, yeah. And be a balanced person. Um, and I was like, I think my, my whatever brain it is, part of me wants to go to the extremes all the time. Yes, yeah. In there. And I think living in the middle is, a, is probably where it actually has to end up being. Yeah. It's not totally. very interesting, though. You'll, you'll find less experiences in there. You're going to get more experiences from the, the extreme ends, aren't you? Yeah. No, you're <laughs> right. Completely you're agree. completely right. Absolutely. <clears throat> There's a time, though, where you've done all the experiences of the extremes, and then it's time to find the balance. I mean, I don't know. You are right, though. I mean, if you just live a balanced life, it's so robotic, isn't it? I mean, the drink thing for me would be problematic come the Friday. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's sweets for, for kids, isn't it? Uh, for adults, rather, sorry. You know, it, that's like my prize at the end. Yes. I get to get pissed, which is a terrible thing to admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what I mean? I get to have, you know, gin and tonic in front of Netflix with some <laughs> mates or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And if that's gone... Yeah. I... I don't think it'd be the end of the world come Monday if, if it wasn't there, but it would take a lot to wean off it. It's yeah. the thing that keeps me going. And also, it's like anything, it's the uh, run-up to it is more exciting than the actual thing. Exactly. I mean, the dopamine hits are definitely Friday afternoon, you know, I'll go to Tesco Express, get my favourite things. All what, that what, are they? Thing. what are they? Oh, God, it's... Um, Gin because it doesn't give. This is terrible. This is gin this is my favourite thing. It really is awful. You don't get much of a hangover with gin. You can avoid it being too it's much clean, of a hangover, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, definitely enjoy the old pizza. Yeah. And then when everyone's gone, I'm just on my own in my pants. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it's just uh, usually a granola marathon. I do like the cereal. It's just like it's not like I'm getting a heroin needle out, but it's a bit odds. You know, a normal balanced person will have that in the morning. Oh. But no, out comes the, uh, the very expensive granola that's, uh, that's kept the way, weekend. There's loads of great places around here for you know, yeah, you mentioned that artisan granola. Like 10, ten pounds for a box. I can believe it. Because if you go to Asda, yeah. I mean, the crunchy nut granola, which I every now and then have, that's nearly four quid. There's, there's more air in that sack than actual kind of like raisins or uh, oatmeal or whatever. And uh, But I pay for it, believe it or not. And um, yeah, I can believe 10 quid. What's in a £10 one then? That sounds like proper well, hardcore. Um, or Planet Organic opposite. I, li- I bought three very small boxes and yeah, it came to about 24 quid. 
Blimey. Yeah, was what? it good stuff, though? Was it? I mean, yeah, someone tried a tiny bit yesterday and went, oh, my God, that's incredible. It There's was... something amazing about it. <laughs> and also, the other one I love with the cereal front is um, really cold whole milk and then Frosties. Yeah. I mean, I can devour that. And also, forget about any chemical high <laughs> I've had that evening. I mean, the sugar high of Frosties, do you know what I mean? And then, no wonder I've got insomnia. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the sugar highs that, you know, like a 10-year-old's. Yeah, eating it, but yeah, that they would be the uh, the comfort blanket. That's your type treat of thing. dessert after oh, your pizza. Absolutely, on my own, no one around to judge. Uh. Don't want any judging eyeballs on me. Out comes a spoon, <laughs> and uh, there we go. The Excalibur, as I like to call it. And uh, do you have a special spoon? I do. Unfortunately, this is all very odd, isn't it? But I do well, have I... a. Um, yeah, it's all very comfort eating. I have a Winnie the Pooh bowl that I like. <laughs> is that a child's bowl? So quite small. Uh, it is quite small. Yeah. Um, and then I have, that's more fun than you get to try all yeah absolutely ones. and yeah. then I, I fill it up with milk and then I just <laughs> top, it up, uh, top it up slightly eat it eat it top it up slightly eat it very um, ritualistic yeah. kind of behaviour yeah quite bizarre really and yeah it's a large silver spoon I always use yeah it's very bizarre it, does it take you back to like a, a safety of childhood? Absolutely. When I came back from school, yeah. I would always go on a cereal binge. You can <laughs> literally just see it. It's like you don't have to be Freud to work it out type of thing. Yeah. And if it because also sometimes at school when things didn't go right for you, you were bullied, or the teacher had a go at you, or everyone was invited to something you weren't. It would be <laughs> apocalyptic. Do you know what I mean? It's like when things have gone really bad for, badly for me in life, Yeah. the deja vu is like, I feel like I'm back at school now. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? You feel yeah. like you're back in the playground. Yeah. And I think definitely, Marlon Brando, there's a documentary about him, and he talks about how food as a kid was a massive comfort blanket. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. We, um, Stuart and I have talked, we've both, you've got a friend and I used to do this. When I ordered a pizza oh yes i would almost cry i actually i would like my eyes would just water oh, amazing because i was so excited about the pizza coming yeah it's incredible i don't that. do it anymore yeah but i used to do it quite a lot there is a real excitement about that oh there? yeah it's coming Abs- absolutely that- and you you order it beforehand ring them up the person yeah. comes along get your, the money yeah what do you watch on telly when you're doing your cereals well i watch on tv when i'm doing the old or is cereals. it a silent affair it might as well be because I've had to watch the TV show again because it's like I'm, I'm so, so involved in the sugar rush. I mean, ultimately, what happens is I'm so uh, um, involved in the sugar rush that it's like, um, what what is it that puts you asleep? Uh, amnesia, or uh, I can't remember, like some kind of drug. It's like a drug whereby I'm not over It's like a morphine or something. Right. My thinking process does slow down. So this is that beautiful state of unthinking. Yes, Just it is. Pure. This is what I think people get when they get like a certain high yeah. or an alcohol yes. perfect buzz moment. It's like a flow state of they're Definitely. not thinking or judging or anything. Absolutely right. I go into a meditative state, yeah. and it would be whatever HBO show, Game of Thrones. I mean, looking forward to it. One of those, you know, big um, dramas type of thing. You know, the Netflix with the Crown, and I have to watch it again because you are right. I am in a, in a sort of meditative, sugar-coated yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not worrying. I'm not judging. I'm not thinking or projecting into the future. You know, thank God for Kellogg's. Flipping <laughs> egg. Keep me going. How else do you get into that state? Can't find any other doorway. Is there no other door? I think with uh, uh, gin and stuff like that, you have like a nice period and then you feel quite, you know, because I mean, other ones like vodka and whiskey and stuff like that, it can go wrong for me very quickly. Yeah. I don't mean like an angry drunk type of thing, just just incredibly ill type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, 
I'd say definitely, um, yeah, comfort blanket with the old cereal and food and sugar rush. It sounds pathetic, really, but it does put me on that kind of meditative kind of, um, well, it's not proper meditation, but you are right. It's a flow that you go into. Yeah, you know, you know the, history, the history of gin and how it affected, like... Um, no, I don't, no, no. It, it, was a, it was called Mother's Ruin, but it had a massive um, impact when it was unleashed on the public. Oh, did it? Because it was incredibly cheap and easy to make, and... God, that is interesting. And it literally, it was like society just, like, turned a corner and just became pissed. Like, I didn't know that at all, a, that yeah. it had that much of an influence. There's an amazing... It's the history of London, this incredible guy. It's on Audible, actually. There's probably oh, about... Right. Something like 80 hours worth of this. And they cover a little bit of gin in there. And it's like, oh, shit, when gin came to London, it was a massive... Because it's a specific intoxicated yeah. element, isn't it? It slowly yeah. comes in. It feels like a warm bath type of vibe. Yeah. yeah. And as I say, you know, unless you don't go crazy, the hangover is not... I mean, you never no. avoid the hangover, really, because you never sleep that well. But it definitely has got some positive yeah. elements to it type of thing. Yeah. You yeah. know, whereas like lager and stuff, you're just bloated, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? I could have sworn it was even prescribed like a, in a medication type way as well to some people just to chill them out and stuff. I, I imagine, I would have thought so. Yeah. It definitely mellows you out. Yeah, yeah. Big way. But they're these like little rituals, aren't they? And it's, the psychology is nuts because as you say, it's more about the prep. Yeah. than the actual thing itself. Exactly, yeah. There's an amazing moment where um, it, when you're about to experience something you're really looking forward to, if you just sit there and go, I'm inc- I can actually bring about this sense of euphoria myself. Yes, I you could do. I don't need a third party. Oh, I've never thought of it like that. You're quite right. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah, you could literally just do that. That probably what is what meditation ends up being for people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just Wi-Fi for free. Just tune into the broadband <laughs> that's, you know, yeah that's out there that's uh, all around us. Yeah, you're completely right. How are we doing on time? Amazing. I'm going to give you some hard turns. Yeah, go for it. Do you believe in evil? Just on its own. To, I think every human's got the capacity for evil, I think. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think anyone is just like an evil sort of Darth Vader kind of figure type of vibe. Yeah. I would say um, we've all got the potential for it, just yeah. depending on your background situation, you know, um, what's happening to you at, the, at that point in your life. So I think it's just a road... That's got that we could all tread down, mm. definitely. What's the biggest misconception about you? I think people probably think I'm more happier than I am. <laughs> I think I do like bring out this over enthusiastic, uh, energetic. You elements. really do. And I think once those London Underground doors close and that tube goes down the into uh, a black hole. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like energy drop. What's next? What's going to keep me going? Type of thing. What's the next distraction going to be? Can you be mean? Uh, Can not- you treat people meanly? It sounds awful. But if they couldn't trace it back to me, perhaps. <laughs> An anonymous. It's a terrible thing to say. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? If they couldn't trace it back to me, but I haven't got the big shoulders to sort of say, yeah, you know, yeah, I did it. I'm, I'm not Liam Gallagher, sort of just swagger around, yeah, have a slice of that, you know, <laughs> see what happens. I don't care. I haven't got that ability. <laughs> just imagine if he was a sandwich man. Yeah, God. <laughs> Go office to office. All right, have a... <laughs> I remember when he lived in Brighton. He has got that sort of like aura about him. I used to see him quite a few times. Really? And he literally just what it's like the Verve video. You remember he just like walked down the streets <laughs> and people would have to get out of the way for him. <laughs> really? He's got a certain. Uh, I haven't got that that same kind of ego type of thing to that degree. No. 
because you know, if anyone linked it back to me, you know, I'd be overly apologetic. I'm like, oh, 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 you know, goodness me, something. Where you know? did that come from? There's a real sense of decorum and um, uh, you know, protocol and ethics about you of how you treat people, how you seem to treat people, how you talk to people. Even in just the short period of you're incredibly polite as we went to get you a cup of tea, you know, even to people around you. So that that reaffirmed with you know being confident and warm and, and loud, you know, in a really nice way. Where did that come from? I don't know. I guess it's family values that are going to kind of... Um, Which person, though? Mum, dad, both? I think both, to a certain really? degree. And that, you know, it's only a few times where a social scenario for me isn't also an exercise or an activity. You know, I am thinking to myself, is this going well? Are people happy with what's happening? Do you know what I mean? I am self-aware that, you know, it's a game yeah. of Tetris for me at the same time. No, I don't want to sound too much like a robot, but this whole time you spent to me, there's been a scoreboard, you know, like the Terminator <laughs> or something, you know, like I'm Robocop. Levels of happiness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is a... But I suppose it goes back to sort of evolution in the early days. Not that I'm Brian Cox, I can talk about this stuff in great depth, but it is a case of, right, this is a sort of tribe. How am I doing here? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Are they going to share, like, some of the mammoth meat with me later? <laughs> And I think it's just this thing that's simmering in the background, the back of my head all the time. Of like, you know, how well is this doing type of thing? Yeah. And um, How well do you think it's doing? What, right now type of thing? Yeah. God, I, I, I don't know. You know, I'll probably deconstruct it in my head, I think, later on. Till 4am uh, yeah, over a bowl basically, of Yeah, absolutely. I'll get out in the middle of the night. Oh, God, I have to open another box, <laughs> for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> Go for my rations already, for, you know. Chuck a few cocoa pops in there, you know. That'll sort me out. But, uh, yeah, it's like, it's a bizarre thing. I mean, sometimes you're not even aware of it, but if you really stop yourself and look at it, yeah. you know, there is that computer game element to it, I'd say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's fairly true of... I think that's fairly true of anyone, isn't it? Mm. They're, they're do, it's a, I think self-awareness is a really interesting thing. Yes. Do you yeah, think yeah. you're... So is that heightened to a painful degree for you? Yeah, I think it's too self-aware. You know, yeah. Too much prejudging what you're doing. Because, you, yeah. Things like that. So it's a case of, um, yeah, too much kind of uh, over-examining things. Because I don't think Liam Gallagher bowling down the high street saying, have a slice of this. Yes, yeah, um, yeah Is necessarily caring too much about what he's handing over. No, absolutely... And I think in some ways there's a bliss to that as well, isn't there? Right. Do you know what I mean? You know, um, I'm not... We often say ignorance is bliss and say to Liam, you know, that he's ignorant to that degree. But <laughs> there is the element whereby, you know, the only person that cares is you, really. You know, you're only living your own brain. And if he's happy to do what he's doing and he doesn't give a damn afterwards... But do you think he'd give a damn on his deathbed when he looks back over his life? I think to a certain degree... I think, you know, I think... Everyone always says in their deathbed, it's all about the loved ones and the family, isn't that? Yeah. But do you, type of thing. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. I, I, I think that... If he had that attitude towards his kids, mm. I think um, yeah. that would be problematic type of thing. Definitely. Oh, God, you didn't even know if the whole Noel thing is just a publicity thing anyway. Do you know what I mean? They'll get together and they'll sell out the O2 this time next year. I don't but, think it's um, a publicity thing. Do you think it's like a genuine... I, I think that's, that feels like really like there's a massive difference between the two of them. Yeah, I think, you know, if you've got riffs of your brother and you just try and cut it off as a robot, I think at your deathbed, definitely you'd look back on that. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I think, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's a definite one. But that over-self-awareness, that's the, that's the ironic and the funny thing is, you know, David Edwards or Ben or Stuart worrying, worrying, worrying about what people think of them, worrying if they'd done enough with their time, with their life. They had so much potential, you know. I think that, that was on my report. Has, 
ha, you know, has potential but doesn't apply himself. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. God, standard. yeah. Um, and, you know, you try and do things and, and try and shift the world or whatever or do something important, what have you. And then you die. And then people just stand there and go, oh, you really want to do that thing? You know, like, yes. it was so important to him. It's like, it's only important to you. Yeah, And absolutely. you're only torturing yourself. Totally. Yeah, you are. I think the, I think the majority of the waking day you're torturing yourself. <laughs> I really do. Do you know what I mean? I so, I do definitely think that um, it depends to people's different views. But I can see, uh, I mean, I haven't got kids. I'm, I'm not in a relationship or anything like that at the moment. But you can see naturally why kids is like the next step. And it stops you overanalyzing about yourself. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And you can see almost why they've been introduced via nature type of thing. You know, the main thing is to keep the population going, whatever. But also, um, there's something else there to keep you bizarrely sane. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I shouldn't talk about this too much because I don't have kids and things like that. Vein, no, but it's but, a purpose, isn't it? For yeah, a lot of people, absolutely, it becomes yes. their purpose. Because you realise so many of the purposes you had when you were a teenager and in your 20s were yeah. just ego dreams. Yes. Completely vacuous. Yes. And, you know, but at the same time, looking after a whole herd of toddlers, I don't know how people do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, but I guess it takes you away from you. Yeah. And tormenting yourself with this constant narrative of judging, why am I doing this? Yeah. I need to start doing that half-baked projects and it's more focusing on that one thing that you know does have genuine value yeah ultimately i, I think and i haven't got this exactly right with the ages but etymologically oh yes you're meant to have kids before 30 something oh right yeah and you're not basically you're <laughs> the human being wasn't necessarily evolved to live beyond 30 or something God, that's so you get interesting. into like 30 40 50 and obviously, if you go back in time before we had preventative medicines and what have you and more sanitation and hygiene, you would definitely be dead in your 30s. That is very interesting. And yeah. if you think we've managed to change the environment around ourselves and give ourselves purpose, meaning, yeah, now you've got a brand, and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah, like yeah. all your genes care about is a copy of themselves being passed on. Totally. Absolutely. And you're in your 40s now, torturing yourself about the purpose of your life when the answer is... You're lucky to be alive. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think um, 30 is the best time because the bullshit detector is quite active then, isn't it? And you do know that a lot of the stuff you've been chasing for is completely empty. I'd say 30 is a good time for the bullet to sort of be, you know, kind of like put in the chamber and like enough's enough. Logan's but, run. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It sort of deactivate you, you know. It's time to sort of put on the yellow jumpsuit and uh, go into the uh, warrior arena or whatever happened to them. But it's a case of... That's yeah, running man, sense. isn't it? That is running man. You're quite right. Still jumpsuits. <laughs> okay. But yeah, definitely. Exactly. That is old running man with and Schwarzenegger. The, the better of the two films. Indeed. I'll probably say that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that was Got good. the Schwarzenegger one-liners in between each of the deaths. Yeah, Could you do one go. for us now? God, let's have a think. What was something? I'm trying to think. It's time to start running. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. And the I'll be back, that's in there, isn't it? I think at yeah, some I think point. it might be, yeah. God. Thank God for these little distractions, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> just when you're at a very low, dark peak, old Arnie turns up. And we <laughs> just make his references, don't we? If it wasn't for stuff like that, you'd just be lost, wouldn't you? I think this is the stuff that keep me going. You know, we just talk about gremlins for half an hour. <laughs> and that would just keep us going. Do you remember when Mogwai did that? You know, oh, hilarious. <laughs> and then you can just not worry about death. Do you know what I mean? Do you think you could write a book on life? No, I, do you know, I was thinking about that earlier. I think I was talking to somebody about how um, how amazingly confident you've got to be to actually sit down and write like a self-help book or something in that vein. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I don't think so. I think um, uh. life for me is like a shattered mirror <laughs> in the sense, I know it sounds nuts, but it's just like, it's so confusing. 
It's such a nightmare. It's like someone's just like shattered. It's like Liam Gallagher world again. And there's a bit up there of Dave Edwards, a bit down there, a bit up there, a bit up there. You don't recognise like, oh, yourself. God. Yeah, absolutely. You don't recognise yourself. And you think, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of all those shards and I'm just going to put, you know, blinkers on and just focus on that. Yeah. And that just gets you nowhere because the other shards <laughs> are needed. And it's just, it's like Bruce Lee at the end of, um, what's the dra- one? End of the dragon. End of the, totally like that. Mirrors upon mirrors. <laughs> Just someone get me with a spear. I've had enough. You know what I mean? I just want to lay out and just call it quits. Do you know what I mean? But that really and truly is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. It would have to be like um, a sort of Beatles studio album if I did something on live. Do you know what I mean? Just some bizarre sort of Tom York kind of like, you know, yeah. synthesizer, just bizarre dream, I think. You know what I mean? I don't think I could sit down and actually write a structure book, this is life type of thing. Oh, so it'd be like a non-narrative, notes here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Clipping of half my face here. Yeah, art installation. Me as a dog. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. This is a seat. Do you know what it is? It's David was urine frozen type of thing. <laughs> sort of madness. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen yellow sort of frozen urine seat. Yeah, frozen urine seat. Yeah, have a slice of that. Have a slice of that. Absolutely, my voice talking to you. You know, as you're reclining in it. You know, have a slice of that. Type of thing. This art gallery. And if you don't understand it, you're not my audience. Type of thing. Let me make that very clear. I'm not here to explain things. You know, if you can't deconstruct it, you're not my demographic. On you go. Do humans matter? Well, it's like anything, isn't it? It's the narrative that you create. Do you know what I mean? It's like... What do you think, though? Do humans matter? That's a hard one, because I guess um, in some ways, no. I think something else will evolve and develop, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. No, I don't think so. I think in some ways they do. You know, we're feeling emotional beings and things in that vein. Um, and, the, and the individual's got their own thing they're trying to do, and you can't just push that aside. But I think in the grand, grand, grand scheme of things, probably not, no. Something else similar yeah. will come along. And it's where, you know, what matters to you is just your value system, isn't it? It's just the ideological lens that you're given to look through at the world. Yeah, you're not, but you create it, right? So you, some people receive it, and you could argue that it could be a story like God, Yes. Or it could be received, you know, perception from other people, a, a way of looking at the world. Yeah. Or you could come to your own conclusion and say, no, they don't matter. I think, I, th- I think I you think to you a have... certain degree, I think you are totally right there, but I think your conclusion will always be influenced also by what's happened in previous years. So it might be a case of you're a very staunch atheist. And one of the reasons is scientifically it makes sense. Sure. But your relationship with your dad, who was very religious has also propelled that as well right. at the same time. I always think that that the idea of pure agency and autonomy of you being completely in control of all your decisions, I don't know to what extent that is true. Do you know what I mean? I think there's been other... I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I don't know at all. The whole thing's a complete mystery to me. Yeah. But I always think that there's other things that are influencing you that you're not always 100% aware of. But what if you looked at the scientific method and went, you know, we test this thing a hundred times, double blind test, we test it a thousand times, and this was the result. And then everyone kind of brings their results together and years upon years of results, you have some kind of table, some tabula of way of looking and testing the world and getting the results. And then you move forward to like quantum mechanics and molecular physicists and all this kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. What they're generating about the world. And you look at that. 
you can't say science is like another religion. It's it's a methodology to prove truth to the viewer of that truth. And then if you prove, if you do it in California, I do it in England, we all get the same results. We can kind of go, well, that has another layer of credibility to it or something. That's yeah, very yeah, different definitely. from someone saying, I wrote a book or they wrote a book and we this is we've translated the book and we've translated the book and this is what this is your your guide for life, you know. It is interesting. I mean, you know, and that's the world we're living in now of algorithms and data and trying to find the best route. But what would be interesting is that a religion still uh, sp- comes out and evolves out of this data Silicon Valley world we're living in, and that the human beings just need religion as a crutch almost. What do you, how do you define religion? Religion would be like a clear narrative, a, a pathway of living. If you do this, uh, you're you know, evil, goods, um, certain testaments to live by, all those different aspects. Yeah. And, you know... Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I'd, what's it, ag- agonistic, I'd say. Is that, is that agonistic. That, that's it, absolutely. That's what yeah. I'd say I am, sort of yeah. on, on the fence, certainly. What about you, Stu? Do you, what, do you think, like, science is another religion, or do you think that they're all different ways of viewing the world, or one has any merit over the other? I always would generally go lean towards science to kind of disprove religion. Yeah. Mm. Disprove the things that are not provable with religion, but there's 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 some things like moral instructions and social codes and things like that, aren't there? Yes, and I think um, it'd be interesting if uh, you know from all that, still a religion kind of. I mean, one thing that's very interesting is that they say that atheism, in some ways, is almost the, the modern most fervent religion. Yeah. In the sense that it's so intense, isn't it? You know, uh, you know, if you you know, religion is evil. You know, there's a very clear... Do you, you think know, religion is evil? Do you know what? I would say in some vein, in you know, in, in fundamentalist situations, it gets completely out of control, obviously. But I would say I was definitely around adults looking back on it in the yeah. time. Yeah. Whereby if they didn't have a religious code book yeah. to keep to, yeah. I reckon they'd have been a real handful and a bit of a nightmare. And they were held back because of uh, Catholicism or whatever religion. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, yeah, they would have been a bit of a nasty person. I think and I, I agree could, with that. Do you know what I mean? And I think instead of being wound up, yeah. they had this moral guide to sort of keep them on the track. Yeah. Some people say that there's like an emergent technology for the time that people use to get through certain things and religion was useful to yes. get us to this stage in, in where we are. Definitely. And, and that sounds sad, but now we don't need it. But I am... Um, I think if I'm coming from like a, I guess a, if it's called Christian, I don't know anything really about religion. But if I think of like Church of England or C of E, wherever it was, we were brought up in that environment. And if somebody was a Christian family, that basically meant they were good. So don't do all your naughty stuff around them or don't do the stuff that, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. You know, they're, they're a little bit more good than us. Um, and then obviously as you get older, you start to realise how people experience like Catholicism and all levels of Christianity and all these other, <clears throat> you know, religions around the world and it feels like everyone brought who they were to their religion so if someone was a, a fundamentalist nutter then they bring that to the religion yeah and they absolutely. do it in that name but yeah. it's just because who they they are yes, right it's definitely. how they reacted to the world and mental health and physiological health and that kind of shit and then you've got people who are wonderful great people who basically may not even believe in a person in the sky looking down and saw heaven and hell but would always do good things because that's kind of who they are definitely so I've said. I think over the years, I've, I've thought people bring who they are to their religion. A oh, bit more. absolutely! It's a mode of therapy, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It basically gives them a bound rock, a foundation. Exactly. And also, like you said earlier, 
if you have the atheist view that, you know, nothing really matters, it can be freeing because there's no one out there judging you. Yeah. But also, you, you have know, a Glock 17 could, pistol in the supermarket. You could be lost. <laughs> at, you're totally, you're absolutely back there, horrific situation, <laughs> and you are literally a, a boat out at sea, choppy weather, no map or compass. And it's like, what's the point then? What am I working towards? You know, a lot of people do need to have... You know, not everyone's got that entrepreneur spirit, which is like, oh, great, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, I'll do good for the world. Yeah, absolutely. They what, want, a, you know, they want a pyramid scheme type of thing, you know. What keeps you in check? Yeah, I mean, I think, sadly, one thing I've definitely noticed about myself as a human being, the older you get, is that I don't have that uh, entrepreneur in a compass. That's definitely one thing I've noted, whereby I'll have that week off from work and I'll think to myself, right, you know, I'm going to write that first chapter to that novel or I'm going to start, I'll upload Garage Band or whatever it's called, and I'll start getting some beats going, whatever, creative, you know. And the dark, I don't know, you know, shadows appear, I'm de-energised, and you find yourself on, uh, you know, some PlayStation computer game, whatever. What are you playing? Um, God, I haven't played anything for a while. Someone lent me their PlayStation and a Spider-Man game. I was on that a hell of a lot. Uh, yeah. PlayStation 4, I think it was. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it didn't take me... Oh, I've got a SNES recently. You know the... The, the old yeah, ones? Yeah, the old ones. So Super Real. Mario World and stuff like that. Yeah. Mario Kart. And um, the thing being that, you know, before it was like, you know, the, the idea of this week, I can do... Dave Edwards can do whatever he wants. Oh, it becomes such a guilty I thing. I become lost very, very, very quickly. The old granola bowl comes out. You know, it doesn't have to be night time. I go rummaging around looking for that, buying stuff on Amazon. I think, oh, I'll start tomorrow. What are you Nothing buying on Amazon? Done. Please tell me. Oh, God, the stuff I'll buy on Amazon. Lots of kind of like um, <laughs> books, T-shirts with clever logos on from films. I, I went through a period of that. You know, oh, you'll only know this back. brand. Yeah, if uh, this is the coffee they drank in Alien on the ship. Do you, you know, know what? I actually I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. They take the brands from those films. Yeah, absolutely. And they pretend that they were a company. Yeah, ab- totally. And I I bought the Beverly Hills Cop one. Oh, really? There was a Ghostbusters one. Yes. It, I literally thought to myself, when someone recognizes yeah, this, oh, absolutely. I will be it. <laughs> Imagining yourself no at you cinema giving someone a wink, you know, yeah. Yeah, you understand what this is the vinyl that appeared in Almost <laughs> Famous or whatever, you know. And you're looking at a guy yeah. who looks exactly like you. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> it's what never, from it's the never like tribe. a hot girl or something. No, no, oh, God, no. Absolutely. It's just another pale skin man child <laughs> that's queuing up to see Avengers Endgame the third time, sort of thing. No, it's not what you're aspiring to. PM. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One being God Almighty, yeah, holding that Thor hammer and that popcorn, you know, either side of their, like, you know, specifically chosen seat in the cinema so they get the surround sound just right. Right next to yes. you. Yes. What a night. Yeah, it's the person you don't want to be. You're quite yeah. right. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's a case of flipping egg. Yeah, oh, at least I'm so in the sinking funny. ship with somebody else type of thing. But I, I have that feeling. When I bought those T-shirts, I thought to myself, this is like, nobody's on this website. Yeah, I know, yes. What, Amazon? Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dear, it's buying a personality T-shirt, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like trying to add well, something about you. you I know. don't know. I think it's kind of like, this meant something to me. It's a bit of an... I don't know. I, I, I see the good and the bad in both yeah. in, in, a, in a way. But you spend your time buying those things... 
Yeah, buy. I tell you one thing that's terrible with me. It's like nostalgia is a bad drug for me. Oh, me too. It, if you look on Netflix, and you too, like, right? Yeah. Do you get it? It's just I've got a real love and hate relationship with it again. Mm. You know, it's empty. It becomes frustrating. Yeah. It can never give you what you really want. What do you really want? Um, one thing I spent a lot of time on the internet hunting for was a James Bond watch I had as a child. <laughs> And um, was it, it a Casio? Played, uh, it was a Casio, exactly like yeah. that. It was Moonraker and it played the yeah. theme tune. Yeah, yeah, I know the one. And it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. And for some reason, I just wanted to be reconnected with yeah. this watch again. But I think I got through Watsits at the time or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It cost absolutely nothing. But definitely finding nostalgia things. Yes. Yeah. The kind of link. Did you get the yo-yo, the, the Coca-Cola gold yo-yo? Oh, 7 Up, all that. I haven't even thought about that. I'll now go on Google looking for that. <laughs> That's something I'll now... I'll, I'm I, not joking. I'll hunt for that now. My mum threw away the ring pull and wrote oh, to Coke right. and said... I'm like She was devastated that she did it because I was like... <laughs> no. Oh, uh, my not Lord. Not mean to my mum, but she wrote to them and we got a gold Coca-Cola yo-yo. Really? So smooth. Amazing. It was so good. And now they sell them on, obviously, you can just get all the amazing different ones that came out every year that you weren't interested in anymore. They still did more. The, the nostalgia thing does fascinate me because when my dad grew up and he became like an adult in his 40s, he didn't have like a, uh, I don't know, like a Dick Barton or Hancock t-shirt. Do you know what I mean? We're like, we're very, we're like children still, aren't we? But no, you know I, I, mean? I think he may have done, you remember, the com- as you said, commercialization has kind of now grown with us. Oh, big time. To give us so many options that he may have done. You know, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I'm sure he chose, you know. Oh, if he lived in this environment, this oh, climate, definitely. just susceptible. But back then, I think adults were adults, weren't they? He just had his checkered shirt. Do you know what I mean? I he think adults had less options. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It was less options. It was if it was there for him, that yeah. part of the human brain totally would have definitely. But it's like uh, my nephew, who's four, has the exact same style as PJs as me. It wasn't designed, <laughs> but like you know, when I went was over there for Christmas, we both turned up to get our cereal, or whatever. And uh, once again, that's a recurring theme. And you know, he's got the same lightsaber pants, and like you know, he's dressed exactly like me. And that's why it's a billion dollar market, isn't it? Yeah. It's the four-year-old wants to wear what the four. You know, it's four like. Do you know what I mean? It's See, just like madness. I, I've, I've got really weird views on, on nostalgia. I, I literally sat with my wife last week, and I was like, "It's eighteen hundred pounds, but it's the full set of Star Wars figures. The, the, the initial ninety-two, <laughs> oh my I think." Blind <laughs> And I was trying to explain to her that it'd be a good investment, and she was like, "What are you going to do?" And I was like, "Keep them in a box." And I thought, Cause I, "It'd be weird if I started playing with them." Yes. No. <laughs> Would you but play with them? Probably. I still really enjoy playing with my kids' Lego. Yeah. I uh, love playing uh, with them or on your own. Kids. It uh, sounds to me that I can't. No, with them. <laughs> they get they get bored quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I do think like why do I want to spend that money on them Star Wars figures? Like why why because they meant so much to me as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I sold them to them by Action Force figures. Yeah. Um, and I went with my friends last week and he'd um, bought a crowdfunder book. That was the complete catalogue of Action Force figures. Wow! And he's since, after buying that book, which was made by someone of our age, you know, full of nostalgia, created this. Has then gone and bought the full Action Force figure range as well. Yeah. For what? Like, is it's, it an investment? I know it's not an investment. I know they're not going to devalue, but yeah. I just want them, and I don't necessarily <laughs> want to display them. I just want them for what purpose? 
the psychology behind it is insane. I mean, you know, if you said to me you had all those Star Wars figures, I'd want to go around your house immediately and see them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> my antenna is pricked up like anything. You yeah. talking about that? It's like it's a bizarre. The thing I find though with it, it doesn't scratch the itch. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've I've spent out on these things. Like um, I got the, like, the original Millennium Falcon. It cost me a lot of money, and it's just <laughs> sitting there. And it's just like you know, it's a real. Um, in a debate in my head. Yeah. It's like, you know, Stranger Things. Yeah. That's really popular. And that's all based around 80s nostalgia. And then when I watch that, I always feel cons. It's like there's a part of me that's drawn into it, well-known 80s actors, you know, references to films I grew up with. Yeah. But I feel it's almost like kind of um, nostalgia porn in a way. Hmm. Afterwards, I just feel deflated and a bit, you know, what was that about? Do you know what I mean? It's like, the, it's like McDonald's food. There's, no, there's nothing really there. Yeah. But I'm definitely a prisoner to nostalgia. I guess they were just the best days of our life. You know, when you were a kid, Christmas, I mean, Christmas Day, when you unwrapped that Millennium Falcon, oh, yeah. the dopamine here, I remember <laughs> just being like, I've never had it. Do you know what I mean? There is no other drug on the streets. That was my greatest Christmas. And yes. I've, got, I've got kids, and it beats any, any Christmas I've had watching my kids undo stuff. And totally. I know you're meant to go with my kids' face, but I don't care. Absolutely. Nothing was as good as me getting that Millennium Falcon. And Boxing Day morning, you wake up and it's still there in the bedroom with you. It's like, you know, yeah. the, I, one year I got the Ewoks Village. And I just like... <laughs> Endor? Yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> oh. I just... And it really was just like, you know, you watch all the 80s American ads on TV in between Timmy Mallet, don't you? There's a the hype up and all that. I, I really miss um, not having the same Christmases as I had as a kid. I yeah. tried to recreate them by, by buying nostalgic things. Like, <laughs> I'll buy myself all the Star Wars, whatever, and it'll be waiting for me on Christmas Day. I really have tried. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it does leave a massive hole in your life. I think, you know, once you, your childhood, it depends, you know, if your childhood, if sometimes if it was too good... Maybe, which is ironic, really, isn't it? No one abused me. They just showed me a good time. <laughs> in some ways, that has kind of like, yeah. you know, deformed things for me. I don't want to leave it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard one. Do you know what I mean? Computer Nostalgia. games developers, they get to kind of live a little bit always in that, that state, don't they? Yes. Because they get to, when you were playing with toys or you were imagining whatever you are imagining, this landscape of this world or... They get to recreate that every time they develop a game to a degree. Or artists yeah, they get to do. do yeah, that. yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. To actually kind of recreate that world. Yeah. In that vein. No, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's why I always sometimes find um, books about script writing interesting. And I think a lot of it is working out, you know, why I was so fascinated in it as a kid. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. why things like the A Team or whatever or Star Wars kind of worked, these mythologies. Yeah. Which you've now got Harry Potter, haven't you? And, uh, you know, Transformers. You know, what were all these levers yeah. and bits and pieces? And you can see, you know, you know, why these pop culture things work yeah. so well. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the the the, the history. And the, did you watch the He Man documentary? Yes, I that did. Was, yeah, that, that was very clever with what they. Yeah, about the toy range. Yes, yeah. The, yeah. So they were the Star Wars one as well, didn't they? There was there was like four of them, wasn't there? One was He Man, one was Star Wars. Did they just I didn't actually get yeah. into Star Wars, but yeah. I, but they they did the history of them. Yes, and how they were created, and how he was like a barbarian. Yeah, crossed with a few other bits. And, and they like the chiseled it down to what the child imagination wanted. The power thing. Yes. They wanted power and yeah. they control. And I thought, wow, that is fascinating. Like these people who shaped my child. I probably spent a lot of my time 
probably through music, exploring all the music that influenced me growing up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like so from 80s music and then all the music that soundtracked films and cartoons. Yeah. And going back and buying all their all that equipment and, and realising it was a preset. God. Like, you just press a chord and, oh, my God, that's immediately that whole world back again. Like you, We talk about rave sounds or, like, 80s kind of classic yeah. sounds. They're often just presets or... Yeah, just that's a, interesting. Diminished chords is all a re, all the rave thing is, is a is a minor chord. Yeah, that's it's, it. it's fascinating, isn't that? And also, you know, linking to what you're saying about um, He-Man and Transformers and stuff like that, I didn't realise that they made the action figures and the then the cut yes i didn't even re- so it's a massive marketing thing oh, isn't it oh yeah that that whole yeah i well, thought it was a cartoon that came out to do it first right and and it was also it was the first figure range to to then grow from the the the, the, the right. standard figure range of like a star wars figure or an action force figure the he-man figures were obviously twice the size yeah didn't even fit into gray skull <clears throat> No, he didn't, did he? Yeah, no, I remember that because he was so massive, wasn't he? And the other thing is, I mean, they slagged George Lucas off now, but it was his idea to keep the merchandising rights and actually bring out these action figures. Yeah. And when you think of it, you know, it's genius, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, billionaire because of it now, you know, obviously sold it to Disney and whatnot, but the film was impressive coming up with that. Yeah. But also he had the idea of creating these environments that kids could play in with these small figures, yeah. which is incredible. But the, the nostalgia thing, I read something recently that Netflix, they, they're obviously creating all this content, but the stuff that's actually broken out for them that's really um, that's done really well, it's all nostalgia-based. Really? It's like The Crown, Stranger Things. Yeah. And with a lot of these things, the plot is very basic, but millions go on the look and the feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so people can just like drown in this kind of 1950s with the Queen yeah. in Britain or 80s with Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think, do you enjoy Stranger Things? Obviously, being 80s sort of fan type of thing. Oh, I, I do. I've just finished the recent series and I yeah. thought it was, it was average at best. Um, yeah, it's I a thought. funny one, isn't it? I they, do even watch it. I felt they spent money on the music and I felt like they overused the music. The old synthesizer, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I actually love the Strange Things theme. I think it's amazing. I think the opening credits are the best thing about it as well. Yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. Definitely. But just some of the, the the scenes where they actually play a full track. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I thought they had overdone that a little bit. But um, but in regards to sort of merchandise, like my, my kids have Stranger Things um are they called pop figures? Yes, they are. They're um, bizarre. They're, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm seeing it from an old man's point of view with those. Yeah. What's pop figures? you can't play with them, can you, as no, characters? No, They're like kind of like sort of square squat kind of like, you can buy them everywhere. And uh, for, you can buy rock band ones. I, yes. I've literally got, I ordered a Morrissey one last year before uh, he started spanning And the heads stuff. pop up and down, don't they? Yeah. Sort of thing. yeah. And uh, they're mm. huge. You go into HMV and they're everywhere and... Mm. But, but yeah, you can buy all sorts of ones. But my kids got that, and my kids uh, went on Amazon and bought um, a, a cap that Dustin wears. God, um, very cool, right? Okay, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there. I think... There's no figures, though. Is there action figures? Is there any action figures Stranger I Things? Know. I don't know. They've gone that I think there's Stranger Things Lego. God, Lego really have... And the other thing is, with like the Lego movie, it's like franchises on franchises now, isn't yeah. there? Mashups. Yeah, mashups. Like, you've got a Lego <laughs> Batman, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not the, the Batman, but it's a Lego Batman. Yeah. And then, you, as you say, the actual Lego movies, like a mashup of Lord of the Rings, all these other sort yeah. of universes. Sorry, it's just like, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Did you, were these... you a big Lego fan? Oh, yeah, growing up, definitely. But nothing like, I mean, literally, it was just like your generic 
Police play. station. Yeah, police station. Fire station. Absolutely not what it is now. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was as generic as you like. And also, I don't even remember actually getting in a Lego box. I remember it just being a plastic box. Tub. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Inherited. And I just oh, made really? stuff out of that. Someone gave it to you from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Definitely. Because I think my brother was more into Lego than, um, than me. Because I think with like... Um, Lego shows a bit more of an IQ for a kid, I think. Do you know what I mean? For me, it was more like Jabba the Heart, Millennium Falcon, you know, action figures. Because Lego, you've got to actually put your mind to it a bit more. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was into it. It was definitely around me type of thing. But the action figures like He-Man and uh, and stuff like that, I was definitely... And Transformers. Yeah, it was big time in God, Transformers. That was, and that was another one where they did the figures first, didn't they? And then the cartoon, or...? Uh... I don't know. I can tell you this, though. You know the the Transformers, the movie. Oh, yes. You know the bit. Did you cry at at, um, Optimus Prime dying? Oh, just the animated one? Yes. Oh, yeah. God, yes. I saw that in cinema. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's very emotional, isn't it? Very intense. There's a song by Stan something called Dare. Do you know the song? No, which one? that. Is that the one that was in Boogie Nights as well? You, oh, you've got the touch. You've got the touch. You've got the power. Yeah, that's it's it. By Boogie Nights. Stan something. I can't remember who it is. And I used to play it at your club nights, Stu. <laughs> oh, there you go. Stu, Stu used to be on the door of this club. By that. And I'd be playing that. Dare, dare and believe you can survive that one. I'll send it to you after this. Oh, please do. But literally, you'll get tears in your eyes if you remember those kind of emotive synthesizer sounds. I know. Being like, you know. Five inches in front of the TV, just absorbing the whole thing. Just completely. I guess as a kid, like we were t- talking earlier, I mean, you just get into the flow easier, don't you, I guess? Mm. You know, you're not as self-aware or as self-critical type of thing. Yeah. And you just completely and utterly... Because going to the cinema as a kid was a big, big deal. Yeah. You know, Back to the Future. So, oh, Roger Rabbit. I might as well be on acid. I was like, what is this? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is amazing. I, I, I never get that anymore in the cinema. I watched Roger Rabbit <laughs> in the cinema that they filmed the cinema scene for Roger Rabbit in. You are kidding. <laughs> no. Well, when Roger's in the raincoat yeah. and he comes yeah. out and all that. It's the State Theatre in Greys, yeah. You are kidding. I didn't know they filmed that in Britain. Yeah. How bizarre is that? <laughs> That's incredible. I don't even think Greys is in Britain. No. <laughs> no, no, indeed. <laughs> Quite right, quite right. But it's like, and could you see that? Could you get the vibe that the decor on screen was similar to the decor around you? Did you, as a kid, were you thinking that is the cinema I'm in as I'm watching uh, it? Aside like? from Fatima Whitbread, nothing has <laughs> ever come out of Grey's uh, of any note. So the minute anyone got a sniff that there was something exciting, I bet that film was, yeah, we, we was all going to watch that. And were you aware when they were filming it then with Hoskins and Robert Zemeckis when they actually went to the cinema to film it? I don't think so. I think it was just one of those things that once word got out that, that it had been filmed there. I can't remember. Obviously, it was a long, long time ago. But amazing, And I don't think though. I really would have known who Bob Hoskins was then. No, I wouldn't have. No, yeah. it was just like the, uh, the slightly fat bloke that was with yeah. the rabbit. The rabbit was yeah. the main focus, wasn't that? Yeah. 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 God, that's incredible. <laughs> just looked like a slightly more dishevelled Phil Collins. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're yeah. completely right. <laughs> God, yeah. It's amazing. he got a pop credit. I don't think he would have now, would he, old Phil Collins? I think he would have... Definitely got money for his writing and whatnot, but it's he's even admitted it himself that it's such an image-focused industry now. Yeah. But I don't know, you've got the internet, haven't you? I imagine you'd have got a niche audience or whatever. Not that I'm knocking Phil Collins' writing <laughs> ability. Uh, 
You know, he certainly pumped out some hits. But I always look at him and just think, he did look like a mechanic. You know, he looked like one of the Mitchell brothers almost, didn't he? But do you not think that in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> pop stars looked like your dad's mates? Lit, I totally agree. That is a podcast in itself. I totally agree with that. That is spot on. Eric Clapton yeah. did look like a mate of Mark Knopfler. Yeah. I bet yeah, Mark Knopfler was actually about 28. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 45. Totally. Absolutely. And look at them all from The Who and all that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. they absolutely did literally. Yeah. Not when they're at their, their prime, The Who, but later yeah. on. And also the rest of Genesis around uh, yeah. Phil Collins. Definitely a dad's Mike, mate. Mike Rutherford. Mike Rutherford, I reckon, looked mid-50s when he left school. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. You get people like that, literally, don't you? Yeah. They've just got that constant look and the way they dress and everything. Yeah, I completely I'm agree. I'm imagining you now with a full-on perm. I can't, I've, that could be my next thing. I Go think, off into uh, Brick Lane, let's make this happen. <laughs> I think Turn Flock of Seagulls. God, yeah. I think I could pull that off. I think you could Just about. Yeah. God almighty. Well, the hair's going as we, as we speak. Every time I go to the okay, out of the bath, it's just like, you know. It's in a very sharp widow's peak. I know. It's, it's, it's good. What worries me is, do you remember Jim from Neighbours? He just had that sausage. <laughs> and that's definitely, if I go through he a had lot a of air, yeah, definitely, it's, that's what's going to appear. Well, Jim Robinson's sausage. Indeed. <laughs> On his head. It's a good name for a van. Just about, like, I think so, that'll do well. That'll get some, uh, some uh, bait clicking, or, whatever they, or clickbait, or whatever. <laughs> what, clicking. What other, it's been a while since I've had one of my social media... <laughs> Meetings, getting the uh, the I terms can, right. I can imagine the milk dribbling down your face as you struggle to get oh, the God, mouse yeah. to click on that. <laughs> Dry Unigate all over my uh, my electronic <laughs> devices. It's been another granola marathon for Edwards <laughs> with a sugar high headache. I think Dear we should. God. Should we head there now oh, down to uh, Britain? <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. Oh, in, no, mate. thank you very much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. It's been really interesting. Exploring my psyche. <laughs> We've taken so Boring many times. Indeed. <laughs> it's got to be said. <laughs>